Tonight's program starts today with the topic of avoiding divine wrath. Allah Taala save us from His wrath. We can never imagine what is divine wrath. And the few things that we witness around us around the world is a very 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 minute fraction of the power and the qudrat of Allah Ta'ala it is something that doesn't amount to anything in terms of what is in the khazana of Allah Ta'ala to understand how severe divine wrath is then in one way we can understand it is that who can be closer to Allah Ta'ala than Rasulullah And despite that, Allah's Nabi Sallallahu one dua that he made and on a very auspicious occasion, the 15th night of Sha'ban, Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu ta'ala says that I heard Nabi Sallallahu making this dua. <coughs> on such an auspicious occasion, and this is the dua, أعوذ بعفوك من عقابك يا الله اللهم إني أعوذ بعفوك من عقابك Allah I seek refuge in your pardon from your punishment who's asking Rasulullah Allah I seek refuge in your forgiveness in your pardon from your punishment وأعوذ برضاك من سخطك Allah I seek your protection, protection in your pleasure from your displeasure because your displeasure itself is an azab. For a lover of Allah Ta'ala, the greatest azab already is the displeasure of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is displeased. وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْكَ Allah, I seek refuge in you, from you. Meaning in you, in your mercy, from your wrath that can descend. So this divine wrath, Nabi Wasallam recognized what this is all about. And such an auspicious occasion, this is a dua he is making. So how much more we should be concerned about this divine wrath? In order to understand this, first thing is that dunya, Allah Ta'ala has made it a place of asbab. Dunya is darun asbab. It's a place where the system and the principle of cause and effect operates and this is in day to day things we understand it straightforward person is hungry and he will eat eating is a means to satiate the hunger he is thirsty he will drink water the water is a means 
to quench his thirst. He is sick, he will take some medicine. The medicine is the means to bring some kind of relief with the permission of Allah Ta'ala will get cured but that medicine Allah Ta'ala made the means so in terms of day to day aspects of dunya we understand this very very clearly that dunya is darwas baab dunya is a place of means this is cause and effect and according to whatever means a person adopts Allah Ta'ala creates that effect just as this applies in terms of day to day things of dunya there is a spiritual system also behind the scenes this is not as obvious as how we see it happening in day to day things but it's there for example rizq allah taala has linked it to salah wa amur ahlaka bis salati wastabir alaiha la nas'aluka rizqa nahnu narzuquk Allah Ta'ala says that command yourself, command your family members to perform their salah regularly and you be punctual upon it as well. And in the same ayat Allah Ta'ala says, La nasaluka rizqa, we not, don't ask you for risk. we provide it. So don't ever allow the seeking of sustenance become an obstacle in salah. Because now you're putting the cart before the horse. And this becomes the challenge, this becomes a test. Especially now in the winter months for example, come the time of Asr. Now this becomes a major challenge. Allah Ta'ala is saying, listen to what I am saying. That la nasaluka rizqa, we are not asking you for sustenance, we nahnu narzuqo, we grant it. There is a direct link between the punctual performance of salah and a person's risk coming. Coming with ease, coming with afiyat. Otherwise Allah Ta'ala can give risk in many ways. One is with ease and afiyat. And the other is Allah Ta'ala makes it very difficult. So to get it with ease and afiyat, Allah Ta'ala is linked it with salah. Likewise, a person wants barakat in that risk. So that barakat in that risk will come from many things. One aspect, one hadith Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentions, Man ahabba. أَيُّبْسَطَ لَهُ فِي رِزْقِهِ وَيُنْسَأَ لَهُ فِي أَثَرِهِ فَلْيَسِلْ رَحِمَهِ أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم But the one who wants barakat in his life and barakat in his wealth because when there's barakat in it then it will bring good if there's no barakat in it then that very same thing can become a means of musibat so there's barakat in that wealth it will bring all the things that are desired out of that wealth that peace, that contentment and whatever other things it's supposed to bring otherwise it can become a bigger musibat so what is this based in? the one who wants barakat in his life and barakat in his wealth the Islam says fal yasil rahima and he should maintain family ties, join family ties join kinship this will bring barakat in life and wealth now outwardly doesn't look like any link between these two things so this is Dharma Asbab. And just as there's a link between a person eating and his hunger getting satiated, a person drinking water and his thirst getting quenched, likewise is the link between Sila Rahmi, between joining kinship, family ties, and Barkat in wealth and Barkat in life. There's a link between punctual performance of Salah and a person's risk coming easily. There's a link.
Whether we understand it or not, or whether we can see it or not, is not the issue. Allah's Nabi has told it to us. So whether we can fathom it, that's not the point. It's 100% certain. This is on the positive end, this link between cause and effect. There is the same on the negative side as well. On the negative side, in one hadith, Nabi Salaam says again, risk the other end of risk. Inna rajul la That a person he becomes deprived of the, of his sustenance because of involving himself in his sin. In one hadith it comes that the risk is sometimes being descended. As being descended, the person gets involved in some sin. The risk is taken away. But there's a cause and effect. There's a means and there's the effect of that means. Like the person fire, he puts his hand in it, he'll get burned. So the sin takes the risk away. Outwardly sometimes it may appear that some kinds of sins are bringing an excess. Person is taking interest, person is dealing in haram things, person is winning and dealing in other ways which are not permissible. It appears to be bringing much, but it comes with azab. It comes with musibat. Because it's coming in a way that Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. So in any case, this is a link between these two things. Then in so many ahadis, the various links between the a'mal and the conditions have been mentioned. Nabi Salaam says, when my ummah will cheat in weight and measure, or this is a sabab, this is a means, the effect, there'll be famine. When they will withhold zakat, zakat will not be discharged correctly and fully. Haphazard calculation, or just some kind of estimation, and as a result, the person is now underpaying. One is, Allah forbid, the person is not paying at all. And then sometimes a person is paying, but then underpaying because of just being haphazard. Just estimating something, not having a fixed zakat day, date in the year. Because if, not, if it's not according to that fixed date, then this will swing from one end to the other. The reality could be far from what he is studying, what his liability is. So when zakat will be withheld, Allah Ta'ala will withhold the rains. The rains will be withheld. Now the, our normal situation is that in certain things everybody is an expert in politics, in religion, and in the phenomena that are taking place around the world, whatever else, everybody has a theory for it. Allah's Nabi Islam is giving us the reality. That when zakat will be withheld, or not paid correctly, Allah Ta'ala will withhold the rains. One hadith Nabi Islam says, when my ummah will break their covenant with Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that pact, that covenant, that agreement that we've made with Allah Ta'ala, you will worship you alone, you will obey you alone. And they will break this, they will now follow anything and everything, their nafs, their desires, their passions. Sallatallahu alayhim al-adu. Allah Ta'ala will then put an enemy upon them. Allah Ta'ala will foist an enemy upon them. 
and that animal will then start making life very difficult for them. If we reflect upon our halat, our conditions, as a ummah in general, throughout the world, whether locally or globally, we can see the same things that have already been dissected for us in the ahadis, analyzed for us, everything already spelled out for us. So all these are nevertheless things that come from Allah Ta'ala's side, but this is again something very, very minor comparatively. All these difficulties are indeed signs. But these signs are very minor signs, very minor aspects compared to what is the real disasters. And what comes, what brings about these major catastrophes, the wrath of Allah Ta'ala, that divine wrath, something worse than sin. Something worse than sin? What can be worse than sin? Worse than sin is blatant sin. Worse than sin is open sinning. It's complete blatantly a person is sinning, not concerned about anything, doesn't matter who's, where he's, he is, what he's doing, who's watching, doesn't matter to him. This open sinning, this is worse than the sin itself, because this is a double sin. The kind of open defiance against Allah. Like sometimes, somebody tells us, it happens often, or now and then it might be happening, someone tells it, one person tells another person, don't do this. So now he says, who are you to tell me? I'll show you how to do it. Why are you telling me what to do? I'll show you how to do it. So now he's defying this person. You nobody to tell me. So nobody will say that when we commit open sin, Allah forbid. But that's what it amounts to. As if a person is challenging Allah Ta'ala, it doesn't matter to me what you have commanded, what you have ordered, what you have forbidden. I will live my life as I want. So worse than sin is open sin. In the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يُحِبُّونَ أَن تَشِيعَ الْفَاحِشَةُ فِي الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ There are many many things mentioned in the Quran Sharif on which there are warnings sounded, there are some punishments mentioned in the Ahadith. In this ayat Allah Ta'ala says, those who wish for immorality and vice to become common in the Ummad. How? Either they'll be encouraging it, this will happen often, happens often, they themselves will be doing things in that way as a result of which others get also carried in the same direction. Allah Ta'ala now wants something. Lahum adabun alimun. For them is a very painful punishment, dreadful punishment when fit dunya wal akhirah. In this dunya, in this world, and in the hereafter. Now this is a person not being concerned. He is now spreading vice. He's openly encouraging it. Getting others to do it. He is involved in it openly as a result giving others the same direction. Allah Ta'ala now wants something beyond other things. Adabun alimun fit dunya wal akhirah. A severe punishment in dunya and in the hereafter. 
If you look in the lives of the Sahaba Ikram, something that happened, nobody knows about it. Person made a mistake. And Allah Ta'ala made some of these things happen so that the Ummah will learn what is the consequence of this, how will the Shariat be applied. So some isolated incidents of this nature will be to happen. One Sahabi comes and he says to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that Allah, purify me. Now what happened? He did something, he got caught up in his son by mistake, by chance. Nobody is aware of it. But he is now so concerned, he is so afraid of divine wrath. He comes to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he himself is saying, Tahir me, purify me. I have committed this wrong. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, maybe you just touched her. He says, no, no, no. I'm confessing to having committed the actual deed after having confessed four times. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gives the instruction that he, since he's a married person, he must be stoned to death. Because this is the command of Allah Ta'ala. The married person commits zina, this is the punishment. He had, nobody knew about it. Allah Ta'ala knew about it. But his conscience didn't let him sit quietly. He comes himself, please I want to be purified because I'm too afraid of this divine wrath falling upon me. I'd rather take the punishment that you will meet out and I will be pure in the hereafter. Eventually this punishment is meted out. And somebody makes some negative comments. The Islam says that he's made such a toba. If this toba is distributed among all the people of Madina Munawara, it will suffice for everybody. But the lesson in this is that what concern and how afraid they were for that accidental slip up that happened, that mistake that happened, and where does this compare to in comparison to a person openly, flagrantly, blatantly sinning and not concerned in any way. So worse than sin is blatant sinning. And this is what really brings down divine wrath. When Hazrat Abu Bakr when he was appointed the Khalifa, in his first khutbah, among the things that he mentioned that إِذَا زَهَرَ riba was zina fi qawmin فَقَدْ أَحَلُّوا بِأَنفُسِهِمْ عَذَابَ اللَّهِ that when zina and interest become common in a people then they have drawn down the wrath of Allah it'll come now then they invite they've already invited it it will come and this becomes common, and this will come. Now, zina is something not confined to one particular concept that we might have in our mind. In the hadith, Nabi Islam says, zina al-ayni al-nazr. The zina of the eyes is to look at whatever Allah has forbidden, casting lustful glances, looking at the opposite gender, non-mahrams. All this is part of zina. zina al-yadi al-batsh. The zina of the hand is to touch. The zina rigidly al-mash. The zina of the legs is walking towards haram. All the various different categories. The zina of the heart. 
And all these things lead to this violent deed becoming common in society. And then what fires burn in society? So this is now inviting the wrath of Allah Ta'ala. Says, فَقَدْ أَحَلُّوا بِأَنفُسِهِمْ They themselves have brought it down. Now if you just reflect again, what's going on in terms of how the phones are used? Is that not zina? And then it's used openly also. How many times a wife would complain, but my husband is looking at all this filth in my presence also now. First I caught him doing it quietly, now he's doing it in my presence and he can't be bothered. And I try to say anything, he say, I'll divorce you. So is this not inviting the wrath of Allah Ta'ala? Open sin. Then just to understand this in the light of one hadith, the Nabi Islam says, Everyone in my ummah, they are deserving pardon and they'll get pardoned. But the mujahirun, the open flagrant sinners. Now this happens in one of two ways. One way in this hadith, Nabi Sallallahu further mentions. But part of this defiant way, this open sinning, is that sometimes a person does something quietly, secretly. But then the next day he wakes up, Allah Ta'ala kept it concealed also. He wakes up the next morning and he starts boasting about it. This is where I went, what I did. He starts talking to others. Yusbihu yakshifu sitra He wakes up in the morning and he himself tears open that vein of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala had covered up for him. He himself is now exposing it. This is part of this open sinning. This is such a shameless thing. The person did one wrong, and now he's advertising the wrong. To disclose a sin is itself a sin. So this is one way in which this happens. And the other is, flagrant open violation. He's not bothered who's watching, what's going on, where he is. I'm my own person. I live my own life. I don't have to worry about anybody. So why should I be concerned? Who's watching? Who's saying anything? Now this happens in so many different ways, especially in current times. Some ways are very obvious. Some ways are taken for granted. Among them, one of the ways is the social media. One of the same things. Person starts advertising is wrong. So many, 100, 500 contacts. Everybody is advertising what he's doing. Person is putting their photographs and whatever else is what we hear from people dressed in all kinds of filthy ways for the whole world to see. And all kinds of lurid things are circulated. What is this? إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يُحِبُّونَ أَن تَشِيعَ الْفَاحِشَةُ فِي الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ It's all circulating immorality circulating vice, circulating shamelessness. And for this Allah Ta'ala is warning, لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ Then, we are just touching on some of these things first. For example, dressing. And especially female dressing. One is somebody is doing something wrong, nobody can see what's going on, that's bad enough. A person dresses in a way that Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. 
that Nabi Sallallahu has forbidden. In the hadith, Nabi Sallallahu says, Kasiyatun Ariyatun, Ma ilatun humilat. And then further at the end, Lam yajid arafal jannati, that those who are dressed in such a way that they are clothed yet naked. The scraps of clothing are not worthy of being called clothes because they don't conceal anything. So they are clothed yet naked. And now where is this happening? In front of the whole public. Fine. That conscience has already died. It's dying. Not dying. Dying is still something else. Allah Ta'ala save us and protect us. By and large it has died. But how am I dressed? Where am I walking? In front of who? To be walking in front of one's own parents like that is out of the question. In front of the whole public also? Now this is open sinning. And as the time goes, this dressing becomes worse and worse. And because shaitan will not leave it at a point. Shaitan keeps pushing the barriers. Because that's the way shaitan will work. Now for a moment, for a while, for a few days, few weeks, months, it will be something others will all regard it as this was very bad. This was out of this was gone too far. And after a few months, everybody's gone too far. Now that is now near now. And then that after a while what was too far one once upon a time, that has become old fashioned. Now somebody is dressing in that manner, she is outdated. And it's happening with everybody's endorsement and consent. Nobody bats an eyelid. This is part of this open sinning. And it's something for us to take note of, something for us to realize what's going on. Then to come to some other aspects, which is actually the thing that we want to discuss tonight a little bit, in a little bit detail. And this was all actually an introduction for this. But one of the things that has become the occasion of open sin, public advertisement of every sin. In many instances, not all obviously, are the occasions of weddings. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us that the way in which this is going, the direction and that the speed at which it is going, that this is something very, very dangerous. Just to digress, but actually part of our discussion, just to understand what we are talking about. Long way back, in 1961, Hazrat Mawlana Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi, great scholar of the recent past, somebody who was renowned in the entire Indo-Pak subcontinent and the Arab world, which is not something common. But even the Arabs held him in very high esteem. He was even given the King Faisal Prize for the service of Deen, over a million riyals. And when he received it, he distributed the whole amount among the madrasas of India. Didn't give anything for himself. That was the caliber of the person. And when he passed away, according to the Sammazahib, the Salah, Salatul Janaza of a person elsewhere is also permissible. They made Salatul Janaza for him in the Haramein Sharifah. This is the caliber of the person. He visited Burma in 1961. And at that time, everything was in its peak. The Muslims were living in the lap of luxury. And unfortunately, 
when things become very soft, Allah Ta'ala makes it easy. And sometimes, Allah forbid, we forget Allah Ta'ala. As Allah Iqbal, Dr. Iqbal Marhum, the quote, mentioned in one couplet, he said, Aao me batao tumko, Aao me batao tumko, Taqdeer umam kya hai? Shamsir o sana awal, Taos o rubab akhir. Just come, let me tell you what is the destiny of nations. How has this happened, the rise and fall of nations? Let me please spell it out for you. Very simple. Where did this start from? That initially there was a lot of struggle, a lot of hard work, a lot of effort, a lot of sacrifice. Let alone far away, if we take our own history, the history of the Muslims in South Africa. Our forefathers who came, especially the early Muslims that came to this country, came to this part of the country, came from the Indian subcontinent at that time and they had bread and butter issues. They had to live worrying about the most basics of life. They came as traders, most of them, or they came in some other capacity of that nature to work, but they also sacrificed a lot to keep Deen alive. We are enjoying whatever infrastructure of Deen that we are enjoying today based on the foundations that they laid. Allah Ta'ala give them the best of rewards and fill their covers with noor and give them the high stages in the akhirat. We cannot imagine what were the circumstances at the time, what were the difficulties that they had to face, what were the hardships, what were the day-to-day challenges that they had. And in the midst of all that, they didn't forget deen. They brought people, especially from overseas, to come and teach the children deen because nobody was available locally. They established wherever they went, Masjid Madrasa first. Masjid Madrasa first. And that kept Deen alive. So initially there's a lot of struggle, a lot of hard work, a lot of effort, a lot of sacrifice. Then times become easy as time goes. He's so saying first is all the struggle and sacrifice. But when now everything becomes comfortable and rosy, then the new generations come. They didn't know what went on behind the scenes. They didn't see the effort and sacrifice. They didn't see whatever struggles were made. So now, it's time for merrymaking now. Because everything is found on the plate. So now comes the merrymaking. The dancing, and the music, and the drinking, and the womanizing, and whatever else. He says, but this is the rise and fall of nations. At first when there was a sacrifice, there was a struggle, there was this effort, then the nations rose. Then there was progress. Then they advanced. And then the merrymaking started, and then everything fell. The wrath of Allah Ta'ala came. Look at Spain. Look at India. Muslims ruled for how many hundreds of years. In Spain, those masajids were turned into whatnot. And so many places of the world. What happened is, anybody who has any understanding of history, little bit, little bit also, knows these things. In 1961, he went to Burma. This talk of his is recorded, it's on record. I didn't get the chance to listen to it, but somebody sent me the links. It's on the some website somewhere. But the crux of this talk and the main part that is relevant to our subject. And this I had heard, which I very vividly remember the whole discussion in a talk delivered by Yunus Patel Sahrahmatullah approximately 30 years ago in the Malim Sunnur Masjid, if I'm not mistaken, or it might have been some other venue. 
but I personally heard it and part of it I managed to just listen because I didn't have the time on that link that was sent to me but the whole talk is there but the crux of it and the, the background to this the background to this talk that he had given that he was there for some days he was observing what's going on and he was taken to attend some weddings that had happened and there was this gross wastage extravagance which cannot be described lavish weddings and then as a result the wastage just goes, goes with it and money was being spent like water running out of a not a cap, cap is too small and he observed all this and then he delivered this talk in this masjid which is one of the most famous masjids in Rangoon still existing and he gave a very lengthy talk over an hour and in there he mentioned this whole detail of history the rise and fall of nations and then he came suddenly to one point and it appears that he said it without intending to say it he said مجھے اندیشہ ہے یہاں بہت سخت وقت آ رہا ہے بہت سخت وقت آنے والا ہے in the short excerpt that I heard this sentence I heard now recently two days ago بہت سخت وقت آنے والا ہے it was a very difficult time coming up then when he said this then immediately he said something with it he says look I am not some great person out of his humility and they within themselves believe themselves to be like that whereas in reality Allah Ta'ala has given them a great maqam he says I am not somebody who has some great insight or a very great personality or some pious person any child also sees the dark clouds outside and he says it's going to rain after a while if it rains you don't say this child did something supernatural he said it's going to rain and now 10 minutes later it started raining any child also sees the dark clouds he knows dark clouds bring rain so he said what I'm seeing I'm telling you in the light of that then he said it in a different way he said look there's still some time to save the situation and he said come back on the end cut out all these vestiges and all this extravagance come back onto the way of Rasulullah come back onto inviting people towards Allah Ta'ala and he said this repeatedly itni mehnat karo ke sab buddhist bhi musalman ho jaye these ways that all these buddhists also living here become muslims and he said ye das saal mehnat kar lo inshallah tumhare kar khane bach jayenge tumhare bangle aur tumhara sab kuch bach jayega now he said it in this way in 10 years do this effort and inshallah in this 10 years you, you work hard in this way you will save everything he put it in this way work hard in this 10 years you will save everything but unfortunately as it often happens that when these kind of things are said it sounds very far-fetched I don't know which world he's living in whether he's living on the earth or living on the skies or Allah knows best way he's living in does he know we live in the 20th century now and our wealth we've earned it we should spend it as we want why are we being told how to spend it so in any case life carried on and 10 years passed and 10 years passed and the revolution took place 10 years later the revolution took place and people who had so much of money they couldn't count they left with the clothes on their bodies they left penniless 
everything was turned upside down. A person went in the morning to his factory, the military was standing there, the keys are now ours, give it to us, you can carry on. He handed his keys and came back home. Came back home, what happened? See, nothing, nothing belongs to me anymore. Overnight, overnight, but this warning was sounded 10 years before. And in 10 years, everything, just suddenly overnight, everything turned upside down. This is on record up to this day, it's available on the website. Now, this is something for us to take a lesson from. This is no uh, something that we are wishing ill for anyone, Allah Ta'ala protect us, Allah Ta'ala save us, Allah Ta'ala protect the entire Ummah. But this is different. These are things for us to take a note of. And therefore, we need to take note of what's going on. We need to change this cause, this direction that things are heading in. We need to change it now. If we just reflect on what's happening, how it's happening, most of these things come via questions. It affects somebody's conscience that I did this, I attended this kind of function, and as a result, these things come up. One is the kind of wastage. For example, one person says, now I, I'm feeling a little bit guilty, I spent so much on a card, wedding cards. How much? Well, he says, I didn't spend too much, it was just 50 rand per card. 50 rand per card, not too much. He says, no, others spend much more. Mm-hmm. And how many people? Well, 1,000 people. 50 rand per card, 1,000 people. So how much? Everybody can do the maths very easily. 50,000 rands. 50,000 rands on a wedding card. And what's going to happen to it after being read finished? And people are sleeping on cardboard. They don't even have a place to sleep. And we have 50,000 rands to spend on a card, wedding card? What answer will have in front of Allah? On flowers? One person said it as a kind of wanting a compliment. He said it in a way as if asking for a compliment. You see that? Oh, Alhamdulillah. I, I recall correctly, he even said Alhamdulillah. <laughs> that, you know, that uh, floral things and so on, I gave them a budget. In under 35,000, they did it. <laughs> so, under 35,000, that deserved a big compliment. So, he saw the strange look on my face. He said, Well, you know, normally now they spend over 100,000, 200,000. Over the, under 35,000, this was just done. 35,000 flowers? People don't have flour to make their bread. They don't have bread to eat. One day while buying something at the local store there, so one poor person, obviously poor person, was buying something also. So there was one tomato and one onion that was being weighed on that scale. One tomato, and one onion. So that's probably what's going to be making the meal for the night. And because that's, now whatever was earned in the day, that has to be budgeted for all the day's needs. It might have been just a couple of 50, 60 rands. Now whatever needs, now for the day's meal, so there's one tomato being bought, and one onion being bought, and one some other small little something being bought to make the meal of the night. People don't have the flour to make their bread. And we have hundreds of thousands of rands on flowers. Where are we heading to? Where are we taking this to? And then, worse than this, 
This is israf, this is tabzeer, which is terrible. In the Quran, Allah Ta'ala says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ الْمُسْرِفِينَ Allah Ta'ala does not love those who waste. إِنَّ الْمُبَذِّرِينَ كَانُوا إِخْوَانَ الشَّيَاطِينَ That the mubadhirin, the wasters, are the brothers of shaitan. Can you imagine? The deco, one person says that certain non-Muslim person is knows well because he also is in a similar catering field. So this person does something else. This person has become super rich. This non-Muslim person has become super rich. Doing what? Doing just the deco for Muslim weddings. He's become a multi-multi-millionaire. Just doing deco for Muslim weddings. What's deco? And after everything is done, then tear it and throw it away. Just for that just to make a name just for the sake of some impression and all this will be thrown away for decoration and people don't even have four walls of any sort not even ten walls to live in they're living under the open sky so that deco could have provided basic shelters for how many people how much du'as would have come from their hearts but we have to make a name for ourselves. We have to make a lasting impression. And then worse than that now, are the haram things that are now taking place. The intermingling, and then in the intermingling now, everybody is coming to a wedding, so they're coming dressed for the kill. There have been women that have written, asking a question, is it permissible for me to attend this wedding? Why? The woman is writing. The way the women are dressed, I can't feel comfortable in there. A woman who has some conscience is saying that I'm feeling uncomfortable attending this because of the way the women are dressed. And now on top of that, there's intermingling. Is this not inviting the wrath of Allah and now for the whole world to see? And on top of that, that is all being videoed. So it will also be preserved. So that even in dunya also, let alone akhirat, in dunya also the record will be there of what haram we did. So now all this intermingling and now something else then some people don't want to be part of the intermingling so what we hear now there's a new thing that one section will be cordoned off for the section. In another way of looking at it what is being said is that Islam you stay in the corner. Deen you stay in the corner. Leave us alone. We'll do what we want. So Deen must stay in the corner. Allah and His Rasul are also in the corner. We will do what we want. Don't, if, don't come and interfere in our entertainment, in our merrymaking. We'll do what we want. Then music. In one hadith, Nabi Salaam says that تَكُونُ فِي الْأُمَّةِ خَصْفٌ وَمَسْخٌ this will happen that sometimes people will get swallowed up in the earth whether it's a earthquake that happens or however it will happen these things will happen there will be disfigurement there will be things raining down from the skies whether it comes in the form of hailstones the size, size of tennis balls or whatever it may be Aisha became very concerned about this 
that this means major destruction. So she asked, Anahlik salihun, that we will get destroyed even if they are pious people among us? Not salih, salihun. Many pious people. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Naam, Yes, when evil will become right and open, glaring, then even if there are pious people around, their piety also will not be sufficient to save the general azab On the day of Qiyamah, people will be raised according to their own condition. The pious will be saved. But in dunya when it comes, then it engulfs everybody. So now the intermingling. And then as time goes, now it has to get in inverted commas better. Because somebody else did it in a certain way, I could be one better. So now there's dancing and there's all kinds of fitna and what not goes on. So this is something that is going in a very, very dangerous direction. And if this is not this cause of this direction and these things are going, it's not changed. <coughs> Allah forbid that the wrath of Allah Ta'ala comes upon us. Conditions can change overnight. Allah Ta'ala save us, Allah Ta'ala protect us. We were given one small taste of it just a few days ago, a week ago. How things can just suddenly change overnight. And a state of panic can come up. And people can start seeing the most gloomy things in front of them. Can this happen in a moment? Sometimes Allah Ta'ala just gives us a little shake-up call. That look, this can happen. It has happened. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. But this is a place of asbab, cause and effect. If we adopt the means of rahmat, then rahmat will come. But if we keep adopting the means of azab, and especially flagrant and open sinning, and in particular the way the weddings and these functions are going, then we need to be very, very concerned. We need to be very afraid. Allah forbid that this doesn't draw down the wrath of Allah upon us. So now this is one aspect of what is happening and who may be doing it. But this doesn't finish out there. There's still one last bit. And the last bit of it is that as far as those who are sitting here, to us it might be that, well okay, I didn't do all these things. So this doesn't apply to me. The thing is that to be attending such a occasion, a function where the open violation of the commands of Allah that are taking place, that is also aiding in abetting the sun. in the It is not permissible to attend a gathering where sin is taking place. In one talk, while discussing Amr bil Ma'roof and Nahyan al Munkar, enjoining the right and forbidding the evil, as he progressed in that discussion, he came upon the same discussion <coughs> aspect of weddings. And he said that this is becoming completely out of control, and there's a need, there's a very, very urgent need, and he said it as the heads of family because they are given the greatest now place of honor in these functions 
they have to take a stand. If this sin carries on, I am not attending. If this sin continues, I am not attending. And the same applies to anybody for that matter. But if the sin is going to carry on, I can't attend. Because deen cannot be in the corner. Islam cannot be that you stay in the corner. The rest of it will be whatever. So even in the corner also, I am accepting that Islam can be in the corner. If I accept to sit in the corner, then I am also accepting Islam can stay in the corner. It's okay, I'll be with Islam in the corner, but Islam can stay in the corner. So this is something which sometimes now shaitan will bring. Where these things need to be applied, they won't be applied. Goes further to say, many a times it happens. Person doesn't attend a wedding. Why? Because he's got a personal issue with the person who invited him. So, as a source of protest, they won't attend. But when Allah's commands are being violated openly, then he says, What can I do now? You know, my relative now. But the other relative, he didn't attend because of his personal issue, that was a different issue. The thing that Shaitan now will bring in. Is but you know, buried, uh, this, this family ties, we spoke about it right at the beginning. The issue is not about breaking family ties. The issue is about not being part of haram. And in any case, the closest kinship and the closest tie is that the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala is closer to the believers than themselves, let alone any second person. Their parents are also further. Their brothers and sisters are further. Their extended family is further. And everybody else is further. The Nabi of Allah Ta'ala is closer to themselves, to them than themselves also. So the first relationship to keep is the relationship with Nabi Islam. Otherwise, it means that I need to maintain these ties even if the relationship with Nabi Islam is cut. Obviously, no Muslim can think like that. So this is, one thing is not to do whatever has been discussed but the other is that this responsibility comes upon us not to be part of it and we don't have to fight with anybody we don't have to create any problem and any major drama or anything in a nice way we will make our excuse ourselves that look all these things up front I am aware this is going to be happening I can't attend unfortunately Unfortunately, or whatever it is, but I can't attend. So this is something that we need to reflect upon, think about that this, which Allah has already warned about in the Quran Sharif, that those who allow this, circulate this immorality, this vice, and this open sinning, and all these other things that we mentioned, this is something that we need to start reflecting upon. These little, little signs that come. This is not just by the way. This little shake-up that we had two days ago is not by the way. That's unfortunately the tragedy of the whole thing. That as soon as the Quran says, وَإِذَا غَشِيَهُمْ مَوْتٌ كَالْغُلًا Speaking of the mushrikeen, that when they are traveling in the oceans, and now suddenly a wave comes upon them. وَإِذَا غَشِيَهُمْ مَوْتٌ كَالْغُلًا Now that wave has come over them like a cloud, and it's going to crash upon them. Anytime it will crash upon them and they can see it coming. And if this wave crashes, that's the end of it. What happens then? Now they suddenly start making dua. Ya Allah, we will worship you alone. Only you can save us. 
and then on ayat Allah Taala says, "Falamma najahum ilal barri idahum yushnikun." As soon as now they hit the shore, Allah Taala saves them, protects them. They come up to the shore. What happened? We, the way we steered it through, hey, we were too smart. That wave was coming, we went past it. Forget Allah Taala completely. Allah Taala saved us, and protected us. Everything is forgotten. Idahum yushnikun. Then all the shirk starts again, and life carries on like nothing happened. This is a very, very tragic situation that the signs come, it doesn't bring any improvement in our lives in terms of deen. Our salah has become more, con- we are more conscious of our salah. That that business now closes for that salah first. Because Allah is saying, we give you risk. You don't ri- uh, provide risk to yourself. So now that salah came into our lives, that business became something that has been conducted in the correct way. There's no deception, there's no lying, there's no cheating, and the social relations have become correct. The personal life has improved. The person is now giving up sin, making toba from haram, making toba from the sins of the eyes, from the sins of the ears, from the sins of the heart. So this is what these signs are meant for. Allah Ta'ala says we bring the little punishment sometimes not the greater punishment why? to make it a means for them to come back this is what we have to do come back to Allah Ta'ala make sincere tawbah repent for the past Allah Ta'ala's doors of mercy are open it is for us to take that step and come forward Allah Ta'ala give me all of us a tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin Allah Ta'ala alhamdulillahi rabbil alhamdulillahi اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا غلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تقبل لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت العز الأكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين والحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا بخونين اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان واحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك من نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك من نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على قيل خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحابه معين والحمد لله رب العالمين which I meant to say in the call of the talk that came to mind now. Very interesting point. It's talking about the extravagance in weddings. In the hadith, Nabi Islam says, The nikah wherein the greatest barakat lies is that nikah wherein the least expense was incurred. Now, obviously what this barakat means, it means everything. It means barakat will keep that nikah what it's supposed to be. That happiness, that compatibility and everything else and that life would be inshallah pleasant this is what's the meaning of this hadith sharif in any case western life is something totally different and their research doesn't really apply to us in any way our research is Quran and Sunnah that is what our basis is and our foundation is in any case something very interesting that this came up that some research was done by two professors in some Emory University in the States 
and then they published a paper of their findings. The paper too was very uh, strangely titled, a very unique title that diamonds are forever and other fairy tales. Diamonds are forever and other fairy tales. But in any case, the point that we should make is that in this research, they, they surveyed and followed up 3,000 people. Are we talking about Western society, American society, who probably they didn't even know this Hadith Sharif. But the research that they, the conclusion, one of the points they came to, that the more that is spent on a wedding, the higher the risk of divorce. And they got some figures also, so many dollars and whatever dollars, that they found among these 3,000 people surveyed, that the more that was spent, the higher the risk of divorce. As we said, our uh, whatever we take, whatever we hold on to, is not from anywhere else, from Quran and Sunnah. But Allah Ta'ala sometimes makes it come out from even those quarters, as we say, from the horse's mouth. This for us to also take a lesson, that now when others are also seeing it, let us see it from the Quran and Sunnah. Allah Ta'ala give us something.